At this time, to set up the message today, we're going to show you a short video of one of our church members uh, that gave a testimony as to how they got to growth step number four in their life, which is what we're going to be preaching about today. I think this will set up the sermon really well, and uh, you open your hearts and minds for the Lord to speak to you now. We're constantly called to grow. You know, the salvation's the first step, but then we've got to grow after salvation, and, and you, you'll never grow enough. When we first came, I started with the three services a week. The first services I came to gave such an emotional response. I was bawling like a kid when I left here just about every time. I believed in God, but I didn't, I'd never read the Bible. Tyler met with me and it was like a light switch was flipped when I started coming to church and started hearing the word preached. And after salvation, I mean, I went from being a, I was a raging drunk. I was angry at the world. I did not ever steward my finances. It was all about me and it was about worldly views. I was deep, deep in horrible sins. And that push, knowing that once salvation was explained to me and once knowing what Christ did for me, that puts a strong conviction on your heart to get away from that past. Or when I first started coming to church, Tyler was preaching through the series, the book of Philippians. I wanna say it was the second or third service is where he preached on the topic of legalism. And that changed my life. I mean, I kid you not. <laughs> I still, to this day, I've got that on a recording in the van and I listen to it probably once a week and try to memorize that and get that in my heart because that spoke to the sinner in me being redeemed. If you don't keep growing in a relationship with Christ then, and you start to stagnate, then everything becomes comfortable. You're no longer, you know, Tyler covered in the Philippians series in the episode, pressing towards the mark. If you quit pressing towards the mark for the high calling, then it makes it that much easier to fall back into sin and start sliding down. And that's something I've done from experience. I've pressed and I've pressed and I've pressed, and then all of a sudden I got complacent and I started letting bad habits back in my life and I've got to restart all over again and, and cover that ground that I just lost. If I would have kept growing this entire time, then I'd be that much farther ahead. You know, you get some nourishment every time that you hear the word preached. And you need that nourishment midweek to continue through the week. And you need that nourishment Sunday night because Sunday morning and then going home, it's good for Sunday, but Sunday night's the one that helps keep me through the week. I've struggled with anger, I've struggled with addictions. By Wednesday, I need that pick-me-up to get me through the rest of the week. Or otherwise, Thursday and Friday, I'm falling. If it was down to one service, it's hard to pick. I can tell you if there was one service, I would be in a world of hurt because I already have been. When we first moved out of town and it was, it was such a pain trying to figure all of this out, we missed a ton of services. You know, we were always here for the Sunday morning service, but not necessarily Sunday night or Wednesday night. And my attitude dropped, my, the way I took care of money dropped. I felt these temptations to go back into addictions that I never would have thought about when I was attending 
church regularly, attending the three services. You know, whenever Tyler was doing the Praying Through series, and that I think is farther in a believer's life because I'm still not to the point I need to be with prayer, but those are the educational lessons of how to grow. So I think every service serves its own purpose, and some, some serve more of a purpose than others depending on where a believer is in their walk. Like I said, unbelievers need the gospel preached to them. And all of us need, you know, we all need the Sunday morning service because that's the preaching, what is it, expositionally through each book and through each verse. Wednesday, we need to know examples of how to pray. Sunday, we need to know how to grow. So, yeah, I can't knock it down to just one service. Exactly. exactly. <laughs>I love my brother Wes. It don't get uh, any realer. I don't know if that's a word. Any more real, more authentic than Wes Payton. And I'm thankful for what God's doing in his life. If you're a guest here today, I want to welcome you right in the middle of a preaching series that we're calling On Mission. Our mission, as introduced to you at the beginning of this year, was helping people find and follow Jesus. And we preached a message on that, and and then we began to preach through each of these growth steps. Believe, commit, connect, grow, and serve. And and I can't wait, honestly, to get back into a book of the Bible like Brother West talked about. Expositional preaching, next chapter, next verse. If God continues to lead in this way, we're going to preach the gospel of Mark from front to to, to the back. And that's the kind of style of preaching that I like. Sunday nights are preaching through 1 Samuel 15 and... On Wednesday nights, you're preaching through the prayers of Asaph in the book of Psalms. But I really felt like it was necessary for clarity's sake. For us to take some time to not just tell you that our church is about helping people find and follow Jesus, but to also preach five sermons on what does it look like to find and follow Jesus. To provide clarity for that, for yourself and for those that you want to bring along in your life. And it's really important that you understand my heart and and a little bit of the strategy behind these growth steps because they're sequential. Sequential meaning one builds upon the other. And and it's not my desire at all to, to, you know, kind of give you like a fast food type spiritual growth. That's why it's important to me that, that you look at the order of these growth steps and you don't feel overwhelmed to, to just, Tackle all five of them in at one time. I you to understand that spiritual growth is a process. There's not one person in here that's just like the other person in their spiritual life. We're all in a different place. And I don't want you to be overwhelmed by these messages thinking, man, I just don't live up. I'm just not there yet. Because sometimes if you're overwhelmed by a process, you'll not even start on the process. I don't want you to feel that way this morning. I want you to understand that with every single step you take, God's going to help you along the way. And I will tell you this, this church accepts you wherever you are. Wherever you are. Even if you haven't made it to the first step of believing in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Boy, we love you. If you're still processing church membership, we love you. If you've never come on a Sunday night and don't even ever plan to come on a Sunday night, we love you. We accept you around here. I mean that with all of my heart. But I want you to know that that the reason why we have sequential steps and strategic programs that go with each step is because we don't just want this to be wall art up here. 
If we're going to help people find and follow Jesus, I think it's fair for us as a pastoral staff to tell you how to get it done. And these are just some some programs that we've seen proven over the time to really help. Now, here's why um, we chose Grow Step number four and named it Grow. And then the, the strategic program to be the evening services. You might be thinking, it's called Grow Steps. Why do you have one that's just called Grow? Well, because here's what we've observed. And I'm not just talking about a few years, but decades of ministry at Fellowship Baptist Church. Is, is that people will accept Christ as a personal Savior. They'll believe, step number one. That usually happens because they, they came in the front door of our church on a Sunday morning, generally. Then we try to work with that person, disciple that person, and slowly bring them along to the point where they're ready to commit to church membership. Then we want to get them connected to other believers who are headed in the same direction as them spiritually. And we try to do that through a connection group. We, those have been historically called Sunday school classes. Then here's what we've seen so often. A lot of Christians stop right there. They get saved, baptized, even become a member, attend a Sunday morning service, but that's the farthest they go when it comes to their church life. You don't see them on Sunday evenings or Wednesday evenings. Now, let me be super clear. That doesn't make that person a bad person. Doesn't make them any less loved by God or less accepted by Fellowship Baptist Church and all the members said amen. Amen. But we have evaluated for many years and even decades now how committing to three preaching services a week doesn't make you a spiritual giant. It just gives you the better chance to grow faster and more fully. We've seen how attending three corporate worship services and being exposed to three sermons a week, it's like it pushes on the gas pedal a little faster. It's like it gets you to becoming a fully committed follower of Christ a little quicker, a little more full. Uh, In some ways that it does that, I've seen how that when people come to Sunday night and Wednesday nights, it seems like their connection with other members is accelerated. They get connected quicker. Um, when people bring their whole family on Sunday nights, for instance, uh, we have kids' sermon notes, and they get those and take notes. And then when they come and give, we have a kids' offering on Sunday night, and then they get a, a piece of candy for taking their notes. And we include the whole family on Sunday nights. It does something in your child's heart over time to be here in those services. On Wednesday night, we have kids' club, and then a Bible study in here. And man, I've just seen. How, how that, that coming to the evening services doesn't auto, automatically make somebody grow spiritually. It just gives them the best chance to do so. It just accelerates. And you might be thinking, you might be thinking, Pastor Tyler, having three services a week, well, that's kind of old school. That's what churches used to do. And now they don't anymore. A couple of reasons why right up front that I'm going to preach a whole message about it. But so far, Fellowship Baptist Church in the year of 2021, here's our percentages. Those that come on Sunday morning as compared to those that come on Sunday morning, Sunday night. Those that return on Sunday night, we have 70% of our church that comes on Sunday mornings returns on Sunday nights. That's a pretty, I think that's worth clapping for. That's a good statistic. And, 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 and it hasn't always been that good, but it's, it's really good right now. And I love that. So I'm not coming at you from a place of desperation. I'm not coming at you this morning from a place of legalism where if you don't check this box, then you're not on our level. Okay, it's, it's nothing like that. That's not my heart. It's not our church's heart or spirit. Um, I'm just trying to be clear that we have seen it over decades of ministry. Three preaching services a week will just get you farther down the road faster than one. 
Is that pretty logical? And, and, and so I'm going to dive into the specifics of that. And, and you might be struggling automatically with that idea I just mentioned. It's old school. Or you would say this, Sunday night church isn't even in the Bible. Wednesday night church isn't even the Bible. So why are you making a big deal about it? It makes its way on a banner. It's going to make its way in an entire sermon on a Sunday morning. Like, like what are you hung up on? Well, remember what I talked about with the idea of church membership. Remember what I talked about, what Mike talked about with the idea of connection groups. If you were to do a word search in your Bible for church membership or connection groups, likely you get a notification that told you this, no results found. I was honest with you about that. And if you do a word search of Sunday night church, you would say no results found. But just because the term isn't explicitly in the Bible doesn't mean the example's not in the Bible. Or the principles in the Bible are the idea... It is. It's everywhere. The idea of church membership is everywhere in the New Testament. The idea of daily, weekly connection with other believers outside of church is everywhere in the New Testament. And I would submit to you, and I'm going to show you that the idea of church gatherings on a regular basis, more than once a week, is actually an idea that's all the way through the New Testament. The truth is, is, is that we haven't, our church today hasn't evolved to more church No, we've digressed to less church. And I think if Jesus were here preaching a sermon, he would probably err on the side of more church. Then less church is better for the Christian. Not because it just automatically makes you a better Christian. It just puts you in position to grow and hear the word of God. Now, here's what I'm going to do to kind of get this forward. And it might be teaching at times, might be a little preaching at times. I have no idea. I've never preached a message like this. But I want to give to you three principles. And I just want to reason with you a little bit on these principles. And here's the thing about all three of these principles. You already believe in them. And you are already applying them in your life outside of church. I guarantee it. Everybody in the sound of my voice is. So what I want you to do is is listen to these three principles and see if you can't buy into the idea of applying these very natural secular principles to your church life and your spiritual life. If you're ready, say amen. Amen. Principle number one is the principle of cause and effect. What you do is what you get. Now I'm going to reason with you and then I'm going to show you in scripture some principles. The person who eats healthy and exercises often will likely get a healthy body. The person who practices an instrument one hour per day will likely be highly proficient in that instrument. A person who saves and invests money into an IRA for five decades faithfully will likely get a large portfolio. Then I conclude if a Christian goes to church three services a week, hears three sermons a week, has three opportunities for corporate worship a week, can fellowship with other believers three times a week, likely that Christian's going to grow. Listen, if cause and effect is true when it comes to your health and finances, it's certainly true when it comes to your spiritual life. And then I would add this, when it comes to cause and effect, it's not that just what you do is what you get. I would add this to it. The more you do, the more you get. So the more you eat healthy, the healthier you are. The more you practice, the more proficient you are. The more you save, the more wealthy you are. The more you go to church, the more you grow. Now, where do you get that in the Bible? Well, Psalms chapter one shows us all the verses should be on the screen today. Blessed is the man, he said. Happy is the man. That walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God. 
And in his law doth he meditate. Watch this. This is the principle of frequency and regularity. Day and night. That's just not once a week. That's, it's the rhythm of somebody's life. Verse 3. And he shall be. This is the result. The, the, the effect like a tree. Planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither. And whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The principle of those verses is this. The more you're exposed to the word of God, the more you will grow. The more you will pro- prosper. It's like watering you as a tree. The more you get watered, the more you get nourished by the word, the healthier you become. Okay, let me build on that a little further. Because in 2 Timothy 3, it says the same thing, but adds an element to it. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable. All of it's good for us, for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Why? That the man of God, that's me and you, may be perfect. That word means complete or mature, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. You get the essence of that. Scripture is what helps you to become the person you're supposed to be. But he adds this element to it in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 and 2. I charge thee, therefore, before God, this is the very next verse, And the Lord Jesus Christ shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. What does he say? Preach the word. So the word of God is what tends to grow you spiritually the most. And then preaching is one of the primary vehicles through which the word of God is planted into your heart. Thankful you can read it every day. Somebody say amen. And you should. But preaching has, has a very strong effect, doesn't it? Of getting the word into your heart. Then my question is this, if the word of God and exposure to it is what's going to make you like a tree planted by the rivers of water growing in your spiritual life and preaching is one of the main vehicles through which you get the word of God, where are you going to get the preaching? Some of you guys are saying, my wife, she does a great job. No church, the house of God. The preaching services. And look what the author of Hebrews has to say about preaching services and your attendance to them. Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more. As you see the day approaching. So we're taught not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but instead to assemble more and more. Why? He, he tells us why. Judgment day is coming. It's approaching. And the more we assemble, the more opportunities we have to be exhorted by one another and to provoke one another into love and good works by preaching and fellowship and worship. And the more ready we will be and the more ready we will help others to be for judgment day. The more church, the better. So you might say, is that example anywhere in scripture? Like regular church attendance? Is that anywhere in scripture? Absolutely. Acts chapter five and verse 42 with the early church. And daily in the temple... And in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. They didn't meet three times a week. They had church every day. Now, let me be clear. Again, you don't grow just because you show up. You have to apply yourself. Listen, be a doer of the word. Repent of your sin. But it is inarguable that exposing yourself to three opportunities for spiritual growth through the preaching of the word rather than just one is giving yourself a better chance to grow spiritually. Because what you do is what you get. And the more you do, the more you get. When it comes to church attendance, I'd phrase it this way. The more you go, the more you grow. The more you go, the more you grow. Here's the second principle to think about. The principle of priority and importance. You do first what you value 
most. I know all of you believe in this principle. I know you do. You're applying it in your life. Even this week, you applied it in your life. If rest is important to you, then you prioritize relaxation on your day off. If socializing is important to you, then you schedule an outing with a friend once or twice a month. If financial stability is important to you, you prioritize saving over spending. If sports activities are a priority for your kids, you prioritize getting them at practice and spending the money and time to get them to games and travel to tournaments. And it's the same for believers. If you value spiritual growth, you will prioritize first what facilitates spiritual growth in your life. You'll prioritize faithful church attendance and regular exposure to the preached word and fellowship with other believers. Now let me dig a little deeper. Prioritizing something means that we put it at the top of the list and then work everything else around it. That's what prioritizing means. You practice this in your life every day. Prioritizing rest on our day off means that we plan to relax first. Then we'll do yard work or house chores or extracurricular activities. But we're going to rest first and then if we have time, the other things will get done. Prioritizing financial stability means that, that, that you save and invest and what you save and invest is taken off the top of your finances and then your spending is worked around that. If sports activities are priority for your children, you'll get the game schedule and you'll work the rest of their schedule around those games. If spiritual growth through church attendance is a priority, you'll do the same. Listen, it will be a non-negotiable at the top of your list and everything else will be negotiated around or scheduled around church service times. That's just the principle of priority and importance. I'm going to dig a little bit deeper. Prioritizing also means that you recognize the difference between what's important and what's most important. You understand that every week there are things that go to the top of your list. How do they get there? The thing that's on the top of your list this coming week is what you think is most important in your life. No, you you have recognized there are other important things in your life. But there's only one thing that gets the top of your list. And you have deemed that most important. So if you prioritize rest on your day off, you are recognizing while there are some other important things that you should do around the house, some other important things, Items of productivity that should take place. There is nothing more important than rest. Now you can talk to somebody else on their day off and they'll say, that's the last thing on my list. Because it's the only day I had to get things around the house. And so rest doesn't find its way to the top of my list on my day off. Productivity is on the top. And if I have time for a nap, I'll take time. It's just that principle. So for someone, listen close. For someone to make Sunday evening and Wednesday evening church attendance a priority... They've had to have first recognized that while there are a lot of important things in their life they could do on those evenings, there's nothing more important than going to church. They've recognized that exposing themselves to the preaching of the word and to fellowship with other believers and to corporate worship and service opportunities three times a week is the most important thing for their spiritual growth. Now there's a story in the Bible of two sisters, Mary and Martha. You know this story, I bet, if you know your Bible. In Luke chapter 10, Talks about how these ladies live in the same home. It's a normal day for them until the Son of God comes knocking on their door. Jesus himself comes over. They invite him into their house. And at that given moment, they're faced with a choice. What are we going to do with and for the Son of God? He just walked into our house. Imagine that, would you? I mean, that's instantly your choice. Well, both ladies do something different. Which exposes the truth that they have different priorities. Martha 
thinks one thing is most important. Mary thinks another thing is most important. Look at the verse in Luke chapter 10. Now it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village and a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. It's talking about Jesus. And she had a sister called Mary. What did Mary do? She sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. What did Martha do? But Martha was cumbered about much serving and came to him and said, Lord, does not care that my sister has left me to serve alone. Bid her therefore that she help me. So here's what's going on. Martha thought that serving Jesus a meal was the most important thing to do on that day in that moment. Mary said, sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word is the priority. And that's what I recognize as being most important because what we value, we do first. So then my question is this, what is Jesus' opinion about this? I mean, Martha's in here mad because she's in the kitchen and Mary's sitting on her blessed assurance. And she's like, get her in here in the kitchen. Like, tell her to come help me. Jesus' response reveals what he thinks is most important. And Jesus answered and said unto her, Martha, Martha, thou art careful and troubled about many things, but one thing is needful. And Mary hath chosen that good part which shall not be taken away from her. How many believe that what's most important to Jesus ought to be what's most important to us? And what's most important to Jesus in that moment was not being busy. It was being still. Sitting at his feet, hearing his word. It's very, 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 very important that where Jesus has an opinion, we have an opinion. It's equally as important that where Jesus doesn't have an opinion, you're not as loud about your opinion. In this instance, Jesus has an opinion. And he says the most important, the most needful thing you can do, and it'll never be taken away because the word of God doesn't return void. The most important thing you can do for your family is get them at the feet of Jesus to hear the word of God. What will that require? If that's not at the top of my list, what do I have to do? It's simple. You've got to say no to what's important and say yes to what's most important. It's called the greater yes. Because life isn't always about saying yes to good things and no to bad things. You know what life is really about most of the time? Saying no to good things so that we may say yes to the best things. Stephen Covey said it well. You have to decide what your highest priorities are and have the courage to say no to other things. And the way you do that is by having a bigger yes burning inside. So Mary said no to what she could do for Jesus so that she could say yes to what she could do with Jesus. See, the greater yes burning inside of her was hearing God's word. And that gave her the courage to say a really hard no to her sister's pleas for help in the kitchen. And the only way somebody would say no to good things they've always prioritized in their life on Sunday and Wednesday nights is because they have a greater yes burning inside of them and that involves their spiritual growth. But then, I think there might be this interjection or this question. What if that's not burning in my heart? What if I don't really believe that? I'm not going to just pretend, Brother Mike, that everybody buys into that because I preach it. What if I'm more like Martha than Mary? What if I've always been raised where we go to church on Sunday morning, put on our Sunday best, eat a good lunch, and then go on with life? What if I, this is the first time I'm hearing this. Well, that leads me to the last principle. 
the principle of belief and behavior. What you believe determines how you behave. You understand that ultimately what drives your decisions, big and small, is what you really believe inside of here. You know what we call those at church? Convictions. What does it, what does it mean to have a conviction? You're convinced. Convict, convinced. You're convinced about something. Okay, let me give you an extreme example, then I'll give you just a normal example. An extreme example of this principle is what happened several weeks ago when some really passionate people charged our nation's Capitol building and they broke the law. They stormed the building and destroyed public property. Not because they just wanted something to do or they were bored. You know why someone would do that? They believed in something. I'm not saying it's right. But if you're going to do something that extreme, it's because you're convinced about something in your heart. You, you agree with me? Do you know the same is true for normal decisions? When I was 20, I think 20 years old, I sat in a class at, at the Bible college that I attended, and it was called financial administration. And the professor taught us about how important it is for us in the ministry to prepare for the future. Gave us a story about how a lot of pastors, you know, they'll, they'll preach till they're 90 because they've never set money aside. For, for, for retirement or anything like that. And he began to teach us about the Roth IRA. And I, I learned about that for the first time. And I was convinced, he, he told us, if you start now when you're 20 and you put just a little bit in over time, it will compound and you'll be pretty wealthy when you retire. And so I've, I was convinced. And the very next week, my dad helped me set up a Roth IRA account with Edward Jones. And I'm 36 today, and I have never once missed a monthly installment, not once, in that Roth IRA. Now, what would cause me, I've wanted to spend that money other ways a lot of times. What would cause me to do that? I'm convinced about something. I'm so convinced that I'm willing to sacrifice what I want now for what I want in the future. And what would cause somebody who's never done the Sunday night and Wednesday night church thing, never been raised that way, maybe never heard it taught. It's, it's very intimidating. They never, they never arranged their life that way at all. Church is pretty come and go, hit and miss. What would cause somebody to just, just wreck their schedule and priorities in such a way to match that a conviction? And guess what I can't do today? I can't build a conviction in your heart. I could meet with you six weeks in a row. We could dive into the Bible about this. And I, I still can't convince you. Only the Holy Spirit can convince you of these things. Amen. Only the Holy Spirit can cause you to really believe something in such a way that you're willing to make extreme sacrifices to do it. And by the way, you do that every day of your life in some area. There are some things you're so convinced about that it doesn't matter how hard it is, you're going to do it. Why can't that be applied in church life? Why can't we say the really hard no for the greater yes in church life? Then a lot of people just want to straight go to blaming. Oh, they're just legalistic and all about the outside. And that, that's not my heart at all. That would be a silly accusation. Really shallow defense. The truth is, the more you go, the more you grow. And what you believe in, it's how you behave. What's in here, it comes out. Because out of the heart comes the issues of life. 
Yeah. Let me show you how that's true and I'll be done. John chapter 6. You know what happened in John chapter 6? Follow me here. Jesus had just performed the, the, the miracle you guys probably know about where he, he fed the 5,000 plus hungry people with a little boy's lunch, right? So he, he, he took a kid's meal, turned it into all-you-can-eat seafood buffet. And people loved him for that. So much so they followed him to the next town. And when Jesus turned and saw they followed him to the next town, you know what he did? He didn't do another miracle. He actually cleared off a spot and started preaching. And you know what he preached about? Commitment. And he he revealed to them, you aren't following me because you believe in me. You're following me because you like the magic show. You're following me because you love the way the worship feels. You're following me because you got cool programs for the kids. You're not following me because you believe in me as a son of God. That's what he said. Fairly, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, not because you believe in my deity, but because you did eat of the loaves and were filled. You're impressed what I could do at the little boy's kids meal. You want me to do that again for you. It's fun. It's entertaining. It's energetic. It's great. And actually, he went and preached like 50 verses worth of a really pointed sermon to him. You think this one's hard today? You should have sat on that hillside. I mean, it was it was tough. And after they heard the sermon, look how the, the disciples responded to him. Many, therefore, of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is too hard. You know, that word hard comes from the Greek word, which is this sclerose. It's where we get our term multiple sclerosis. Right. Libby struggles with that. You ever seen her walk? You know that every step hurts. That's how they're talking about. This hurt. Who can hear it? From that time, many of his disciples went back. Watch. Walk no more with them. They said, yeah, adios. Not going back to that church. See ya. And then look what Jesus said. Next verse. Then said Jesus unto the twelve. Will you go away? Then Simon Peter said, Lord, to whom shall we go? We already left everything to follow you. Why? You have the words of eternal life. Oh, they're hard, but we believe and are sure. We're convinced in here that thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. They wouldn't walk away. They made sacrifice. They rearranged priorities. They said no to their kids. Why? Because they believed that Jesus was worth following wholeheartedly. They wanted to be all in. Jesus, what you expect, we're there. You tell us to jump, we ask you how high. Because we believe. And how you believe determines ultimately how you behave. So I could give you a huge sales pitch today. It would do no good. Because it's just too hard. What I'm preaching to some, it's too hard. It's too foreign. And the only way you would be willing to go there is if you started believing it. And I can't force that. And I never would. I never would want to. It's an inward out behavior. It's not an outside in. Oh, yeah, I come to Sunday night, Wednesday night church, and now I'm I'm more accepted in the church. You won't be more accepted in the church. I come to Wednesday night and Sunday night and now God, like he's going to shower down blessings from me. I wouldn't get out your umbrella. He's not impressed. It's not about I do things on the outside so I can earn things. 
It's about, you know what, I really believe something. And here's what I believe. The more I go, the more I grow. Here's what I believe. I need to be exposed to the Word of God as much as possible. My family needs to be exposed to the Word of God as much as possible. Here's what I believe. I need more church, not less. And as you believe that, watch, it's not going to be forced by a preacher. It's not going to be manipulated by a church culture. It's simply going to be, you know what, babe, let's, let's try this. Let's try to go on Sunday night. On Wednesday night after a long day, you know what keeps people coming back on Wednesday nights, even when they come in their work clothes? They believe it. They believe it. They believe it, it helps them. They believe it's good for their family. They believe that the more you go, the more you grow. And so they, they don't care if they're greasy still. They don't care if they have to rush around. They get here because they believe it on the inside. It's not forced by a pastor or a staff or anything weird like that. Just that people really, really believe it. Yeah. So I hope that you'll take these principles. You're already applying them to your life. What you do is what you get. You, you, you believe it already. Would you apply it to your spiritual growth? You do first what you value most. Your belief determines your behavior. If you can apply those in the secular world, you can apply those in the church world and should. God's worthy of it. I'm going to close my sermon in a very unique way. I'm going to ask Brother Mike and Miss Joyce Barnes to come to the platform at this time. I could have asked a lot of people. But you heard a great testimony by Brother Wes Payton as to how he got to this place in his spiritual life. And I think Wes would be the first person to tell you he's got a long way to go. He didn't start showing up and then all of a sudden all my struggles are gone. I'm a super Christian. Oh, no. Me and him go to Cattleman's quite a bit. We eat steak fingers together. And a lot of gravy. And he tells me he doesn't have it all together. And I tell him, I don't have it all together. And we pray with one another and encourage one another. And so none of these families I'm putting before you have it all together. The truth is they just have believed this and made the choice. And now I want you to hear the fruit. I want you to hear how their spiritual tree has been nourished because of this choice. And Mike and Joyce Barnes have a good testimony for that. He's the quiet one, so I'm going to speak. But <laughs> um, We started coming to fellowship years ago. Um, our oldest was away at college, and we had two teenagers at home. And to be honest, we were just pretty much regular Sunday morning attenders. We are huge Dallas Cowboys fans. Uh, don't, don't judge us, but yay. <laughs> um, anyway, and so honestly, you know, if the Cowboys are playing or if there's a good football game on, we're going to stay at home. Um, I'm also embarrassed to say, if we knew that someone else was going to be preaching, we didn't come. Um, that's not something we're proud of. That's just who we were. Well, like I said, we had two teenagers at home, and I'm sorry, but those can be difficult years. And I'll spare you the details, but we, we, we had one of those valleys that happens. And um, we were, it was challenging, it was stressful, it was painful, and so we just started making a decision that we're going to put God and church, we're going to make that a priority in our life. And so anytime there was a service, we started coming. Um, I want to give a little disclaimer. Like, like Pastor said, we, we're standing up here. We do not, trust us, we do not have it all together. Um, 
we are not standing up here thinking we're these super Christians or that our kids are. Our, our grandkids are pretty close, but the rest of, the, the rest of them aren't. Uh, we still sin. God is still growing every single one of us. We still have, we, we have ways to go. Uh, but we have the advantage of looking back because um, I really feel like that was a turning point in our lives and in our family's life. Because when you come to church here, you're going to hear the word of God preached. And, oh, that is nice when they do that. Whoa. Uh, anyway. <laughs> yes, okay. Uh, anyway, um, the word of God, <laughs> if, you, if you act on it, you have to act on it, it's going to change your life. It's going to change your desires, your attitudes. Um, I know personally my faith, my personal walk with God has grown. I need church. I need preaching. It's not always easy to hear, but I need it. Um, uh, we've, we've been through some valleys. I mean, just because you come to church doesn't mean the valleys and the trials stop. They don't. But I'm so thankful that we made that decision all those years ago to start coming more than just Sunday mornings because we've learned things and grown in a way that we wouldn't have if we stayed home and watched the Cowboys win or lose, <laughs> either way. But with the, the, then the next step is that church is now also a priority for our now all married, yay, adult children and our grandkids. Um, and I don't know about you, but in this crazy world where everyone seems to have their own version of the truth, we want our grandkids to get the truth from the Bible. Amen not from the news or the social media. Uh, Sunday night services are usually my favorite of the week. It is hard to pick your favorite, though. Uh, but And then Wednesday night's just kind of your shot in the arm that you can get through the rest of the week. So I just want to encourage if you're not coming, just come. Um, try. What have you got to lose? Just a couple hours. It's, it's not, you know, a big deal. I promise you will get practical applications from the Word of God that if you act on it, will help you grow spiritually and live this crazy life. Just like someone who works out and goes to the gym at 5.30 in the morning may not always feel like getting up early. I know I don't always feel like going to work. If I'm being honest, I don't always feel like going to church, but I'm never sorry I did. Um, it's now it's just a normal priority part of our life and our kids' life and our grandkids' life, and it's made a huge difference in our lives, and I bet it'll make a difference in yours too. Thank you. So good. It's good preaching, Joyce. Thank you for that. <laughs> All week long, I've, I've been in fear and trepidation for this message. In 15 years of being here, I've never preached an entire message on why you should come to Sunday night church service. 15 years. And growing up at this church, I've never heard an entire sermon. Not one given to it. I'm not saying that's wrong. We, we've preached about it here and there, but never something like this. And so here's my biggest fear, if I'm honest with you, is that you'll feel guilted into doing something like this. Why is that a fear? But here's why it's a fear. Because when you're guilted to do something, it's called behavior modification. And it never lasts. But when God transforms a heart, it's not behavior modification. It's not self-reformation. It's life change. And 
There's a good portion of our church that have just bought in and convinced that the more you go, the more you grow. And I'm here to tell you it's not been forced. And it's not been guilted. It's just we believe it. And how you believe is how you behave. And so don't get overwhelmed. If you just now took the believe step, you don't got to skip to step four and be like, oh, I gotta, I'm not going to fail the test. It's not a test. Just always be going towards the next step. That's it. Don't stall out. Don't stall out. Wherever you're at, just keep inching towards the next one and let God's spirit help you make the necessary changes needed to make that happen. Let's stand to our feet, every head bowed and every eye closed.